Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the bridge and to week two of our Arrow series. My name is Scott, and I'm the lead pastor here at the bridge. And we're in a series called Arrows, and we're talking about parenting. We're talking about family dynamics and relationships within the home. And we're specifically talking about uh, how to parent and how to launch our kids without losing our minds. And uh, that, that's, a, that's a real problem sometimes, right? Uh, and so we're talking about those things. And really our desire in this series is that the series is just helpful and applicable and very useful for you. And, and we want to talk about things in here on Sunday morning that, that hopefully will be helpful in your parenting and your relationships. But we also have created a resource page that we want you to have so the conversation can keep going after you leave here on Sundays. And, and we have it on our, our site, thebridge.me slash arrows. You can go there and there's a resource page there. It's got different uh, websites that we recommend uh, that has various topics that you can talk about with your kids. Uh, there are a lot of free apps that we put on there for you so that you can go to those apps and use those. Uh, and we've also given you various other tools just for you to put in your parenting toolbox. So make sure you go throughout the series and utilize the things that we have. You say, well, my kids are older now. Well, it's still good to have. And some, at some point, hopefully, they'll have grandkids you know, for you. And so that's always helpful to have those in your toolbox as well. But go there, use the resource page. But Arrows, we took that, and we kind of said this last week, we took the title from a passage that we find in the book of Psalm. And it's a passage that uh, we're using as kind of our primary passage each week. And it's Psalm 127, and here's what it says in verses 3 through 5. It says, Behold, children are a heritage and gift from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies at the city gate. King Solomon wrote this particular psalm as one of two that he wrote, and he said children are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. And so this metaphor of arrows in the hands of a warrior is what we're looking at, trying to take a different, maybe a different look at parenting, uh, maybe help uh, take a different approach in our parenting as well. And we said the title we're using as an acrostic that'll kind of be a guide for us each week and the different topics we'll talk about. And we started last week with the letter A, and A stood for aim. And we talked about what is the aim in parenting? Uh, what is the bullseye that we're trying to hit? And, and, and we talked about how kids are created uniquely. They're created on purpose and for a purpose. And really for us as parents, our aim is that we would point them in the direction that they would pursue God's purpose for their life that the rest of their life, they would, they would spend it pursuing why God created them and what purpose he has for their life that they can fulfill. Well, today we're moving on to the first letter R. Everybody say R. R. No, say it like pirates. R. R. There you go. That's nice. Good. You could actually be pirates. Uh, the R stands for release. Release. And so the, the, the goal, the objective of any archer as well as in parenting, is that at some point you release the arrow. In our parenting, there comes a point where, you know, we let it go. We let it go, right? Can't hold it back anymore. 
Let it go. Turn away and slam the door. I don't care what they're going to say. Let the storm rage on. The cold never bothered me. Anyway, uh, so we, the point comes that we need to, at some point, let it go. And the reality is, no matter what bow you have, you can have the best bow that money can buy. You can have all the accessories. You can have the number one rated arrows. And you can have a quiver full of them. <laughs> but if you never knock those arrows, put them on the string, draw back the bow, and release, then you have zero chance of that arrow ever hitting the target. And so as parents, we have to think, we have to come to a place where we're willing to release those arrows. Because the truth is, an arrow that's never released is an opportunity never realized, right? An arrow that's never released, you never know what could happen with that arrow that you continue to keep in the quiver and you're not willing to release. And the truth is, you never know how God might use your child or mine just if we release them, how he might use them as change agents, different makers in this world. And as long as we try to shelter them and keep them and I'm not going to ever release them, then we'll never know how God might use them. You say, well, I don't know what might happen. I don't know if I've aimed them correctly. I don't know if they're going to actually hit the target. Well, we never will know unless we're willing to actually release them. So we're going to talk about release today. The book of Proverbs, chapter 22, verse 6, it says this. Train children in the way they should, say it with me, go, yes. When they grow old, they won't depart from it. Train them up in the way they should go. That the whole design, the whole purpose in the family dynamic is not that they would stay, but at some point they would be released, that they would go to have a life of their own, to have a family of their own, to establish a home for themselves. The point being to go. If you look according to what God's design is for the family, it's much more like a propulsion system than a prison system. Two systems have a lot of similarities, but they have totally different outcomes and objectives. Okay, so think Kennedy Space Center and Huntsville State Prison. Two systems, they have some similarities. Both of them have security measures, right? I've been to Kennedy Space Center. They have fencing up around the launch pad. They have barbed wire. They have security measures in place. And when you ask them, why do you have fencing around the, you know, around the launch pad? You know, obviously you would think for trespassing, but more than that is for alligators. You know, alligators wandering up on the launch pad and disrupting the whole launch sequence. And the truth is... <laughs> There may be times when in your home you have fencing up to keep alligators out, right? Uh, you might have to implement security measures along the way. But these two systems are completely different. One system is, the objective is to launch. It is about leaving. The other system is about keeping. It's about making sure they never go out. And again, in your home, you may have to have times where you implement bars and lockdown and monitoring visitors that are coming and going and maybe occasionally solitary confinement. But the truth is, 
your objective needs to be much more like a propulsion system. Like you're ready to launch them. It's not about keeping them. It's not about making sure they stay. But it's about preparing them for someday when you're launching them. When they will leave your home. And getting them ready to be launched. So today as we talk about releasing those arrows. At some point when your kids are a certain age. They will be or they should be released out into this world. So as we talk about that, I want to give you some things to consider. And really, I want to talk a little bit about the pre-release. Because in the whole sequence of shooting a bow, there is a, there is a pre-release kind of steps that you must go through before you ever let your fingers be relaxed and loose that arrow. So I'm going to give you some, some pre-release steps as we talk about arrows and we talk specifically about parenting. Number one, establish the target. Establish the target. We talked a little bit about this last week, but before you ever want to release an arrow, you, you need to establish what the target is. What am I shooting at? I'm not just want to shoot the arrow up into the air. I want to actually aim at a target and hit a target. And that's the goal of any archer is to hit a target that I'm loosing these arrows so that they go and hit a bullseye that I'm aimed at. And so as parents, we should have a target that we're really focused on for our kids, that, that we're aiming them in a direction so that when they're released, they have the best opportunity, the greatest potential of going toward that bullseye. And again, we talked some about this last week. But, but my question would be for you today is, what hopes and dreams do you have for your kids? Do you have those? I mean, what are your hopes and dreams? Have you ever thought about them? Have you ever tried to quantify them in some way? Now, if yeah, I've asked parents that at different times, and, and, and sometimes they'll say, well, I just want them to be happy. Or I just want them to, you know, do well in school. Or I just want them to get into the right college. Or I want them to, you know, make sure that they get on the right career path. And they get a good job that pays well. They find somebody, fall in love, they get married, they have kids. And all of those things are great things. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. But is that really ultimately the most important thing you want for them? I mean, as you look at their life down the road. As you envision their life after they've left your house, is it really just that you want them just to be happy? I mean, is that your ultimate plan and your ultimate goal? Trina and my wife and I were challenged several years ago to parent with the end in mind. Parent with the end in mind. Not just try to live each day and survive, which, but some days it's just that, right? But to actually parent our children toward a direction. Like I see down there where I want them to be. And so I want to try to parent them in that direction. Not just haphazardly. But once I understand where I want them to be, it affects all the things that I do today as I parent them. Again, we'll go back to Proverbs 22.6. And I'll, sh I'll show it to you again. It says, train children. 
So there's a process there. Training doesn't happen haphazardly. We're not just, we're not just told, you know, provide for them. Make sure they stay out of trouble. No, it's train children the way they should go. And when they grow old, they won't depart from it. And sometimes people will read that and they feel like that's a guarantee or a promise from Scripture. Like God's saying, hey, if you train them to follow me, even if they kind of rebel at some point, they're going to come back to it and they'll follow me. And, and we want to hold God to that like it's a guarantee. And it's not so much a promise or a guarantee as much as it is a challenge, I think, to parents to say, parent your children with the end in mind. Parent them toward a goal. Look down the road and say, how do I want them to be? What kind of life do I want them to live? What kind of character do I want them to have? And parent them with that in mind. I want them to hit the target when they're released from me. And that phrase, train a child, it comes, it, it comes derivative of a root word that means awaken a thirst. So in other words, I'm not just parenting haphazardly or I'm not just trying to survive, but I'm trying in my, as best I can as a parent to awaken a thirst within my children. To awaken a thirst to want to pursue God, to want to pursue a relationship with God. To want to be everything that God's created them to be, to pursue the purpose that he's created their life for. I'm trying to awaken that thirst. I can't force that thirst on them. You know the old saying, you can't you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. But sometimes you can salt the oats, right? And so he's a little thirstier along the way. Can't make them, but you can do things that maybe will awaken a thirst within them. And Trina and I decided a long time ago, we sat down together and we talked through this process and we said, our goal for our kids, it's pretty simple. We wanted them to love God, love people, and to want to have a relationship with us once they left the house. We, we wanted them just to love God and love people, which I believe as you read the scripture, that's the mark of spiritual maturity. It's not how much scripture you know. It's not how much you've memorized. It's not how long you pray each day. It's your ability to love God and to love the people that God brings in your life. And so that was our goal. That's what our hope was. They would grow to love God and love people. And that when they moved out of our house and they no longer needed us for anything, that they'd want to have a relationship. You know, it's easy to have a relationship when they need us, Right? I love you, Dad. I love you, Dad. Can you give me the keys now? You know, I mean, it's easy to have a relationship then. We wanted them to desire a relationship with us when they didn't need us. And see, all of those things affected the way we parented them. It affected the way we disciplined them. It affected the way we spent time with them and the kind of relationship we try to develop with them. So the goal is to awaken a thirst within them, to look down the road and apparent with the end in mind. So the question being, what is the target for your children? What are your hopes and dreams for your kids? Establish that target before you ever get ready to release an arrow, you need to establish a target. And the second, the second step would be to get a proper grip to get a proper grip. In other words, 
And you heard Barry talking about this a while ago on the video. But, but the grip, you know, the way you grip this bow has a lot to do with where the arrow's going to go. I mean, you can grip it too loose, right? And you pull it back and the arrow's just going to go in all kinds of crazy directions. Or you can grip it too tight, which a lot of experts call the death grip. And you're holding on to it and you're so tense, you know, when you, that the arrow, it may take off like it looks like it's going in the right direction. But because you've gripped it so tight and you're tense, you might have pulled it off a little bit. And by the time it gets to the target, it's way off target if not missing the target completely. Getting a proper grip. A grip that is secure yet flexible. A grip that has an equal amounts of firmness and freedom. See, I see a lot of times in, in parenting over the years, I see people that will go to either extreme. Sometimes they might have a grip that is too loose. And man, their kids have all kinds of latitude to do whatever they want to do. And their kids are just going crazy, doing all kinds of stuff. And the discipline is really not existing. And maybe it's because they don't want to discipline. Maybe it's because they're too tired of discipline or too busy to discipline. Or maybe they just don't even agree with discipline. That we don't want our kids to have a, a ruined childhood. We want them to have everything they want and to be happy. And, and we want to be their best friends. And so we don't discipline. So the, the grip is way too loose. Now listen to what the scripture says about when our grip is too loose. In the book of Proverbs says this, those who don't correct their children hate them. That's strong, isn't it? Wow. But those who love them are careful to correct them. Well, that seems kind of strong, right? That, that those who don't discipline their children, they hate them. And basically what the scripture is saying is that love includes discipline. That if you really love your children, you will want to correct them and discipline them in a certain direction and not just let them go because it affects their future. It affects their destiny. In fact, this next verse, Proverbs 19, 18, says a little more clearly. It says this, discipline your children while there is still hope of influencing their future so as not to play a part in their destruction. That we, if we don't discipline, if we're too loose with the grip, then we're playing a part in their demise down the road because when they hit real life and they can't just get away with everything, then there's a price to pay. And sometimes the price may be really high. So that's one extreme, right? The grip is way too loose. The other extreme is the grip is way too tight. Way too tight. And that's kind of the overbearing parent, man, you're super strict, very legalistic, you know, and you're coming down on everything. Oh, no, you don't. You know, you will be locked in your room till you're 40, you know, and, and, and that's also the parent, you know, we don't really talk about things of the culture. We don't talk about things that are going on out there because we as your parents don't sin. And so we're not going to talk about sin in here and things of that nature. And it's so strict. And it's so confined and you establish rules that you can't break and then you establish rules so that you don't break the rules that you can't break. 
And they just get layer after layer after layer, and pretty soon trouble is unavoidable. I mean, you can't live and not break some kind of rule. And that just creates a dynamic within the home that the child feels like he or she can't win. Ephesians, Apostle Paul talks about this in Ephesians chapter 6. And here's what he says. And now a word to you parents. Don't keep on scolding and nagging your children, making them angry and resentful. Rather, bring them up with the loving discipline the Lord himself approves with suggestions and godly advice. He's saying you've got to give enough rope Enough room for them to make some decisions, including some bad decisions. But then because they're in close proximity of your home, you can help them navigate through those decisions. You can help them take responsibility for the good ones and the bad ones. Because if you create this atmosphere where it's so strict and you're watching over everything they say, everything they do, that child lives for the day. Freedom. They cannot wait to leave that home. And the problem, though, here's the problem. The problem is they're going to experience emancipation with no preparation. I've got freedom and I don't know what to do with it. I got freedom and I'm going to go buck wild. And they get off to college or wherever else they're going to. And they have no ability to handle the freedom that they have. And they're making choices that are just really, really, <laughs> they're bad choices that are going to lead to some destruction and devastating effects in their life. Because they've lived in this place where there wasn't any freedom. And now they have all of it and they don't know how to handle it. So you say, well, what, then what's the answer? Well, the answer is equilibrium. The answer is freedom with firmness. The answer is allowing them the freedom along the way, appropriate freedom. You're not going to give certain amounts of freedom to a five-year-old that you would to a 16-year-old, okay? But you are appropriate amounts of freedom and then help them be responsible for the choices they make and help them understand where those choices lead. Good choices and the bad choices. But there's got to be that equal amount of freedom and firmness, that equal amount of freedom and discipline so that they're prepared when they're ready to leave your house. When, when Trina and I, we, someone, we were listening to a guy talk about this when our kids were still really young. And he talked about that when their da his daughters, he and his wife's daughters, when they got to their senior year in high school, the second half of their senior year, so that, that winter into spring semester of their senior year in high school, they implemented a no curfew you know, rule in their home that they gave that, that child, you have no curfew. You're completely on your own. You can make your own decisions. Now with that, you have to do your own laundry and things like that, but it's not any kind of punishment. It was actually, no, we want you to 
experience freedom that you will experience next year in college or when you move out of the home, but still within the confines of our house so that we can help you navigate some of that. And I heard that and I thought, that's the most brilliant thing I've ever heard in my life. And so we did that with our oldest, Preston. We did it with our next son, Landon, and we plan to do that this coming year with our daughter. Yeah. He got here a little quicker than I was anticipating. But, but with, with, with each of the boys, and I'm sure it will be the case with Shayla, it was, it was here's, here's what it feels like to be completely free. You can come and go any time of day or night. But we want to help you with the responsibility that comes with that. And we want you to exercise freedom while still in close proximity to us. Because if we wait till next year and you're way away at school and you start exercising it, it might lead to some trouble that you're not anticipating. And so we, we basically took on the, the mindset of empower, don't hover. Empower, don't hover, because sometimes in our parenting, we have a tendency to hover, hover, hover. I'm going to protect, I'm going to watch out, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. I'm not going to let you be responsible for any decisions, and if anything happens bad, I'm going to rush up to the school, I'm going to talk to the, pre- to the principal, the teacher, I'm going to, the coach, whoever it is. You didn't get your homework done, well, move out of the way, let me get it done for you. Just tell your teacher this. You know, let me do the science project. Don't worry about it. Just tell them that you were really smart this year. <laughs> I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to hover, hover, hover. I'm not going to let you get in any trouble. I'm going to watch over you. You know what hovering does? Hovering leads to helplessness. You know, it's a, it's a recent phenomenon with, with cell phones and smartphones. But, but college professors talk about and studies have been done. That, that there's a huge problem even in the universities because even at the age of 18, 19, 20, 21, moms are calling in the mornings to wake up their child on their cell phone to make sure that they're going to class. And it's this level of dependency still on mom or dad, you know, that, that they can't, they've not even learned responsibility. And it's somewhat of a recent phenomenon with cell phones and things like that. And at some point, that hovering, that taking care of, that watching out for, it leads to a level of helplessness. And they're not prepared for the realities that they meet in this world. So you have to, you have to get a proper grip. You have to establish what the target is and then get a proper grip. It's not too loose, but it's not too firm either. The third step, draw to a reliable anchor. Draw back to a reliable anchor. Now, the anchor is where you draw the boat to and where, it's, where you stop each time. Now, what experts will talk about is that you need to draw to a place that's reliable, that it feels the same every time because that will affect the aim of the arrow. In fact, as I read in Complete Archery Guide to, to Shooting, uh, and I'll give you this quote, I'll show it to you. It says this, 
Without an anchor point, it is absolutely impossible to consistently hit the target. Again, complete guide to archery. Uh, without that anchor point, to hit the target consistently, it's almost impossible. You have to come back to a reliable place, and this is the anchor. This is where you stop each time. And as parents, that's critically important as well for us, that we have an anchor point an anchor point that is guiding our thoughts, that's guiding our decisions, that's guiding, that's giving us bearings and how we direct our family, that's giving us the wisdom that we need and guiding our family. We have to have a reliable and consistent anchor point. And I would tell you that the most reliable anchor point that I know is Jesus Christ. That in Christ, we have this anchor in Christ, we have something that is reliable, a person that's reliable, that will guide us, that will lead us. It's one thing to have eyesight, but Christ gives us insight, which is far better. And we need to be able to have those things to lead and to guide and to aim our kids correctly. In the book of Hebrews, it says this, this certain hope of salvation is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls, connecting us with God himself behind the sacred curtains of heaven. That in Christ, we have an anchor, an anchor for our souls, an anchor of hope for our future. And we have the wisdom that we need as parents to guide our children correctly in the, in the way that they should go. You have to have a reliable anchor. You have to establish your target. You have, to, you have to get a proper grip. Draw back to a reliable anchor. And after years of practicing those things, release. Release. Relax your fingers. Relax your grip. And release the arrow to the target. With the confidence that you've done the things necessary to aim them in the right direction. I didn't say the confidence that they're going to hit the target every time. But the confidence that you've done the, the hard work, you've done the things that are necessary to aim them at the target. And you release. But, but there's another step. See, release is not the final step. The step beyond release is follow through. And see, most archers will tell you that follow-through is just as important. That as you're holding the bow and you release, that if you dip the bow, if you lay it off to the side, if you try to lay it down to get a look, it will affect the trajectory of that arrow and affect the, where the arrow is going and affect whether or not that arrow will hit the target. And so the follow-through has to be steady. The follow-through has to stay. It has to be there so that the arrow will fly straight and have the greatest potential of hitting the target. And you know what? As parents, when we release those arrows, those children need to be able to look back and see parents who are still in love and who stay together. Because that is critically important for them being able to hit the target 
that they've been aimed at. And I said it's critically important. I didn't say it's impossible for them to hit the target if the marriage is not together. But man, it makes it so much better if they can look back and they can see mom and dad are still in love. They can see mom and dad are still practicing the things that they told me to do. That it wasn't just something they were saying, here's what you're supposed to do, but, you know, we're not doing it. It's not, you know, do what I say and not what I do. But it's do what I say because of what I do. They can look back and see that there's consistency in the follow-through. Which means, in God's design, children are supposed to go. The marriage is supposed to stay. Children are supposed to go. The marriage is supposed to stay. Now, the, the, the way that happens, and so, so far you might sit back and go, okay, well, we expect you to say that. That's, you know, we, 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 we agree with that. Even if our marriage is not together any long we still agree with that. that that's probably best but here's where it comes into play the, the, the way that happens is that while you have those children in your home your marriage has to take priority over them that the, that the proper design is God and our relationship with God first and then right underneath that is our relationship with each other as spouse and then the children come under there somewhere But that doesn't happen a lot of times, does it? I mean, a lot of times children kind of get up and become the focal point. And I mean, they demand a lot of time and attention, right? I mean, it, they do. But pretty soon you got parents that are just focusing completely on the needs of the children. And the empty nest becomes a reality because once those children leave, the focal point has left, and now there are two strangers living under the same roof, and it's not the same anymore. And so because of that, you have to work hard on the marriage. You have to make the marriage a priority above the kids. And, and to say that, for some of you, you might be sitting there going, well, that, that just sounds like it's not good, it's not right, that... That, that our kids need to be a, a, a priority. No, the best gift that you can ever give your children is a strong marriage. So that means you have to have date nights, getaways together, whatever it is, where it's just the two of you focused on each other and not talking about the kids. We have a date night all the time. We go and we talk about the kids. No, 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 no. You have to get away and just spend time with each other. Focus on each other, meeting each other's needs. Well, we try to do that and the, and the kids cry. Let them cry. No one that I know of has ever died from crying. And I guarantee you, after you leave, they'll stop. But, but, but it's, it's, you know, we don't want them to be damaged in any way to see us leaving and not paying attention to them. Damaged? They will be damaged forever if you focus on meeting all of their needs and not your spouse's.
got to focus on each other. Because the children will go someday. Even if it's not until they're 35 or 40, they will go. <laughs> and it'll be the two of you. And you got to focus on meeting each other's needs. And it's the reason I will make another suggestion to you. you my suggestion is that you do not allow your kids to sleep in the bed with you. All right, that's a controversial issue. It's just my suggestion. It's my suggestion. But I think it's with good, it's with good reason. And listen to what it says in the book of Hebrews, okay? It says in Hebrews chapter 13, the marriage should be respected by all and the marriage bed kept undefiled. Now, I understand that's talking primarily about adultery. Okay, But if we're not careful, we can allow our children to defile that time because we're letting them invade an area where they shouldn't be invading. Soothe them, comfort them, and send them right on back to their room. There should be things happening in your bed that would scar them if they ever saw it. Send them back. Send them back. Keep that, keep that marriage bed pure. You got to focus on each other. If you don't, they're going to look back and they're not going to see follow through that keeps them aimed at the target. So what is the, the vision for your kids. You know, Helen Keller, who was blind from the time she was 19 months, she said, the thing that's worse than being blind is having sight with no vision. What is the vision that you have for your family? What is the vision that you have for your kids? Establish that as a target. Work on the grip. Draw back to that reliable anchor. He said, I don't know if that anchor needs to be Jesus Christ. There's other things that need to anchor us. Well, I can tell you this, that when you reach the end of your life, all that's really going to matter to you is what anchor you have. And if that anchor is not in Jesus Christ, then I don't think much else will matter. This past week, yesterday, I buried someone that I've been friends with and their family for over 20 years. He had, has two teenage children, and it shouldn't... You know, no one should die at the age he was at. But I can tell you that he had a relationship with Christ. And both of his kids stood up in 
the funeral service yesterday and talked about that because of their dad, they have a relationship with Christ themselves. And I'm telling you, when you reach that place in your life, I don't know if anything else is going to matter to you. He needs to be an anchor that you pull back to because he is reliable and he's trustworthy. And you need to release those arrows and that God would use them to make a huge difference in this world. Let me pray for us, okay?